ours is not for, by definition a religion in that we must do some things to earn it. Ours is a faith that it has everything to do with what we believe and how we choose to accept something that is not able to be explained or proved. You're listening to the Experience Freedom Podcast. I'm your host, Ajene Gaylord, and I endeavor to educate, encourage, and empower women to embrace emotional healing and eradicate the stigma of mental health in the body of Christ. On this episode, I begin our series on freedom. I have a special acronym to share and to reveal on another part in our series. But this episode, I will open us up with a couple of definitions. And then I get into a discussion with Michelle. And we both share our own perspectives on freedom in our faith. Yeah, and I wanted to start this particular subject with sharing my love for acronyms and why I feel like it helps to orient us all, at least whatever subject we're covering, to that same idea and definition. One that I came up with as I was um, conceptualizing the podcast, trying to identify a title, a name, um, trying to make sure I could encapsulate everything that I believe this show was supposed to be, the phrase experience freedom stood out to me. Um, so of course, naming the show, the experience freedom podcast with Ajene Gaylord ended up becoming our full title. But as always, I came up with an acronym just for myself. Really. I, I enjoy um, identifying things. I'm a word girl. I love words. I love to define, understand, to know. I'm a knowledge seeker. I am a teacher. That's one of my spiritual gifts. And so I'm always looking to break things down as far as explanation and understanding. I'm someone who seeks wisdom and understanding. And in preparation for the show, I looked at, you know, the phrase, I had written it down in my notes and I was looking at it and I was like, freedom, freedom, freedom. I really want that to ring true. And I thought, well, if my tagline is embracing emotional healing, eradicating stigma, then what does that have to do with freedom? (laughs) But it has everything to do with freedom because if we were to define it, you know, just Googling it, looking up in the Myers, uh, not the Myers, In the Merriam or Oxford dictionaries, uh, there are lots of definitions and most of them orient around the idea of not being confined, uh, the power or the right to act or speak or think without restraint, without hindrance, without um, anything that's being caught that costs or charged against uh, uh, someone or something, uh, the quality of state of being free And to be free is to not uh, have anything done uh, involuntarily or determined not to be determined by choice, meaning that free means it's determined by choice. It's relieved from anything that's burdensome. It's not bound. It's not confined. It's not detained by force. So there's nothing restraining it, so to speak. And so freedom is the absence or of the necessity, coercion or constraint in choice or action. 
in a Christian context, we know that we could look at freedom as it pertains to the work of uh, Christ on the cross to give us freedom from sin, to give us freedom from eternal damnation that we, through his work, if we accept it by faith, we can have access to eternal life and we can be redeemed from the punishments of sin and no longer bound by sin, which is what we're born into, you know, without, I talked about this a little bit earlier in the show, but just a short and quick explanation of our fallenness is in, in the garden uh, in Genesis, Adam and Eve sinned. They did something God commanded them not to do. And as a result, all mankind has fallen. The, the, all creation has fallen and we are now in a fallen condition. But because of the love of God, he prepared for us a sacrifice and opportunity through Christ's sacrifice on the cross to have access to freedom from that fallenness, to be able to have redemption and to be able to walk in freedom when we accept what Christ has done. And so that, you know, gives a broader uh, conceptualization of what it is to be free in Christ. So I want to expand that discussion and talk a little bit about the power and the right to act from that position, right? As Christians, we understand that we have eternal salvation, we have an eternal promise, and that we are free from the bondage of sin eternally. But sometimes, or at least in my own experience, that's a little bit harder to translate while we are still uh, connected to this flesh and sin nature. Although we're free from sin, we are still bound by our sin nature because we are still living in this fallen condition, in this fallen world. And although once we have received salvation, we are indwelled by the Holy Spirit who gives us power over our flesh. And as we surrender to the Holy Spirit, as we align with God's truth from his word and as we live it out, we become more and more capable, more and more aware of where we may be falling, right? And that we have the capacity to overcome those things. But it isn't a once and for all, right? Once That doesn't occur until we get on the other side. It doesn't occur until we have gone on to be with the Lord or Christ has returned to redeem us fully. So we have a position that we haven't yet fully attained. And so we're still awaiting the completion of our salvation in the sense that we become glorified and we become like him. But I want to focus on freedom as it relates to how we show up while we're here, um, while we are in relationship with one another, while we are fulfilling the things that God has created us to do on the earth um, during our lifetime, uh, because eternal life comes later, but we are living now. <laughs> and Christ promised us an abundant life, uh, according to what it says in the scriptures. He did let us know through the word that um, we would have trouble in this world, but he's overcome the world. And because of what he has done, we have the opportunity to access that and benefit from it. What do you want to add to that? There's a, a part of me um, on my journey of freedom as far as uh, freedom from religion. Mm. Um, and I don't even love that phraseology mm -hmm. because 
I know that we have so many denominations in the body of Christ because there's, you know, the breaking off all the different times of this little belief is different. So we're going to go elsewhere because you don't agree with us on something. And so, um, for me, these last uh, six, seven years or so, I look at freedom even differently than my husband does in some ways when it comes to what Jesus did for us and what that means for our life here. I think a lot of people are like, okay, I'm saved. I'm going to heaven. And I just have to kind of make it through life on earth. Right. And so the idea of no, there is healing and there is hope for this Mm -hmm. life to me is very important. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, But again, that in some ways gets to our beliefs and what we believe about what Jesus's death, burial and resurrection accomplished for us as Christians. And um, you know, talking about things like the abundant life, you know, I've questioned, you know, what does that mean? What is victory? What are like all these terms that we throw around in Christianity and we talk about it as if we're all supposed to have it magically almost. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and to me, I'm, I'm trying to get down to like the simplicity of what the Bible says that, that, you know, the new Testament does not begin at Jesus's birth. It begins after he has died and resurrected. And so there is a difference between say a Jesus that is talking because he is still under the old covenant and he is speaking to people who are still under the old covenant versus Paul after Jesus has resurrected. And so being able to um, reconcile those things and say, okay, God, what did you mean here? What did you mean here? Um, why does it seem so complicated in some ways? Why isn't it, you know, if you've got Jesus, that's like, um, if you don't forgive others, then God won't forgive you. Well, that makes absolutely no sense when, uh, we are to forgive at as God has forgiven us, mm-hmm. right? So there's that discrepancy there. But when you understand it's the difference of the covenants, then it makes sense. I feel like so many Christians are living in bondage to thinking that um, living the Christian life is up to them, that it's yeah. about yeah. their mm-hmm. Bible study, their Mm -hmm. obedience, Mm -hmm. their like everything that's about them and their actions and stuff. And, and even things that we don't articulate, but if you just think about it a little bit, does it make Mm -hmm. sense? Like you're saying one thing, but you're also saying another, how can both be true at the same time? Mm -hmm. Um, and so as far as like, I'm not saying there aren't consequences to sin, But the fact that God has taken away our sin, he's forgiven our sin, he has given us a new heart, a brand new heart. And that to me brings rest and freedom 
because I don't have to. So specifically, I think maybe the word that you are using and, you know, we could talk it out or flesh it out as far as sin nature that mm-hmm. I believe that is actually, if I remember correctly, that is a, a phrase that was used in a certain translation and they went back and they changed it because it was not a good translation. Because if you think as a Christian that you have a sin nature, then you're constantly at war with yourself. Like God is saying, you have to be holy, but you know that, well, I I just, I still do all the sinning. So the understanding mm-hmm. that we are not slaves to sin, we are slaves of righteousness, like believing the truth about what God says about us, not what our experience says about us, is the journey that I'm on. You know, the guilt, the condemnation, the um, I I should do this and and you know, why am I making that same mistake again and and pain and hurt and and all of that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Like sin affects our relationships on earth with each other. If I, you know, say something unkind to one of my children or my husband, then yes, that will make our relationship have some sort of brokenness to it or something, or or it could, depending on how the person takes it, right? Maybe I say something very harsh and they don't take it that way. And so it doesn't really have the effect that I thought it might. But as far as between me and God, he's already taken care of that. And so I'm not in this continual state of forgive me for this, forgive me for this, forgive me. Like, I want to do better. I'm trying to do better. I, I can't quite get there. Help me, God, help me. Like, we do cry out for help. Um, you know, I'll have conversations with my sister, with my husband, like with these people that are so close to me and so I don't you see it the same way I see it and <laughs> it's not quite the Mm-mm. same and I'm like okay that that's okay but it just it hurts me to again see Christians that are just on this treadmill of trying and trying and struggling mm-hmm. and striving when there is the real freedom available freedom to not pretend to be a good Christian to Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. we can share our struggles with each other because we can say, you know, not in a dismissive way, but aren't you thankful that, that Jesus took that away? Like sin is not who you are. You are not the sin that you do. You are a child of God. You are the righteousness of God. Like who you are because you have been reborn. Like we died with Christ. We come back new, the the newness. Like that's what I want us as Christians to focus on again, because then it's not pointing out, well, you're doing this wrong. You know, that's not very biblical of you or that's not very whatever of you. Like not that we're trying to do it with maliciousness or anything. It's as if we we think we're helping each other by pointing out the ways that we fall short of mm-hmm. of what we yeah like like yeah. sin is not what we want anymore sin mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. we have a new heart so yeah 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 it's um the church i've been visiting they've been preaching about a different gospel and the whole premise is in galatians basically where paul 
was challenging the, the believers um, over the fact that they were trying to add to the gospel and that the gospel really is simple. Mm-hmm. And the Judaizers were like, it can't be that simple. You right. have to follow these steps. You have to do this, yes. like the whole denominational thing. Yeah goes back to the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Like, yes, we have our modern denominations and we all have the ways that people have split and different issues and reasons why we have all of them, but all the roots of everything we're seeing today, we can find it in the Bible. Mm -hmm. And in the early church, that was part of the challenge was groups of people deciding what the gospel was. Groups of people saying it can't be enough to just accept that Jesus did all the work because every other faith system is based on what we can do to earn something. Yes. And that's what makes Christianity different and unique and why it is both exclusive and inclusive all at the same time. Yeah. Because the the access to um, the freedom that we receive through Christ comes when we believe. Mm -hmm. That's all that's required. Right. And it is by faith, through grace that we are saved. So it's the grace of God that extends the fact that Christ did this work. And all we have to do is believe in faith that he did it. Mm -hmm. And now we get access to the whole thing. Yeah. But the challenge comes in is we, in our flesh, in our nature, in our, in our, um, uh, the part of us that connects to the physical world, um, is not yet redeemed. It is still connected to this fallen situation. We have power over sin. We are no longer subject to sin. We are no longer subject to the consequences of sin. And yet we still fall short. And that's why Christ is seated at the right hand of the father, making intercession for us because we still have to contend with this part of us that has yet to be fully redeemed. And that doesn't happen until we go on uh, to be with the Lord upon our death or Christ returns to redeem us for those of us who may still be alive at the time. So it's this very, this is conundrum. And for generations and millennia, people have been arguing over what this really means and what it's all about. Mm -hmm. It isn't going to be easy for us to explain or to understand because it's a mystery. Hmm. It is a mystery how all of this stuff works, right? But for us to be able to do our best to reconcile with our finite minds, what we can understand about it, people have come up with explanations and teachings and systems of belief to try to get our heads wrapped around something that we just cannot wrap our heads around. That is why it is by faith that we are saved through grace. And it is a gift. We can't earn it. We can't do anything to gain it. Mm -hmm. And a part of that is, or at least what I'm, coming to understand a little bit is that we further uh, place ourselves as Christians in bondage to these ideas, because even if we say, yes, it's by faith through, through, you know, it's grace, it's a gift, we receive it. Somehow we translate after that moment to, okay, now I have to do all these things to keep it. Mm -hmm. Like there's still stuff that I have to do. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't mature. We shouldn't grow every day. We should be becoming more like Christ. We should be resembling him more and more. That's our sanctification process. So there, there is growth and maturity that happens, but it isn't what I believe most of us as modern day Christians have conceptualized it to be, which is keeping a list of all the things we're doing right and keeping a list of all the bad things that we're not doing. And then that means we're a mature Christian. That means 
we are now arrived at some place of, of Christian ecstasy where we have arrived at the hilltops and the mountains and now we're this great, wonderful believer. The reality is that we cannot keep something by doing things that we believe will uh, allow us to keep it for something that we did nothing to earn. We did nothing. We were in our sin. We were full of our own way, you know, by, by the transmission of sin from Adam and Eve to us. Right. Yeah, We were in Adam. Yes, we are all in him. And so when we're born, we are born into sin there. It is what it is. It's the reality of why the gospel is such good news. And it's when we accept that Christ did it all for us, he did the work on the cross. He shed his blood. He died. He was buried. He was resurrected. He did all of that work. We accept it. We receive it. Now it's up to us just to surrender and to continue to accept the work, not for us to keep a list of all the things that we can do to stay holy, so to speak, or to stay like this was a problem of, of the holiness movement and the, um, uh, prosperity movement to some degree in the nineties when, you know, eighties and nineties, when I was growing up, there was this idea of, if you don't go to the movies, if you don't wear makeup, if you wear long skirts, like that makes you close to God, that makes you holy, that keeps you from sin. And that's what you have to do to show how saved you are. Mm -hmm. That was aligned with other traditions of there are certain um, things within scripture that you must do. Like one of those things that I grew up, people, um, preached in certain denominations believe was you must be baptized in Jesus name and you must speak in tongues. And if you don't do those things, you are not saved. Not tongues is a gift of the spirit. It is a way for us to be able to communicate. It's also a way for us to edify others in the body when those tongues are translated. Mm -hmm. And, and that this gift of tongues also comes with the gift of translation that Paul wrote about it in uh, Corinthians. And he expressed like, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but I don't have love or I don't have charity, then I'm just making noise. Mm -hmm. Right. But somehow certain denominations miss that. And there's an emphasis on us behaving this way. And that proves or shows evidence or gives us the stamp of approval that, yes, you have it. Right. When there is nothing that we can do to show or prove that we are saved. Jesus explained it to Nicodemus who said, how can I be born when I'm a grown man? How can I go back and be born again? Mm -hmm. And he said, it's not born of natural things. You don't go back into your mother's womb. Mm -hmm. This is a spiritual thing that you do where you're born of water and of spirit. And it's like wind blowing. You don't know who's been born of the spirit. It's like the wind. You can't see the wind. You know, it's blowing, but you can't see and identify it. And there's no evidence for it. You can't capture, you know, put it in a bottle and capture it. Like it's wind. That's how you'll know who's saved and who isn't. It's just like wind. Mm -hmm. Right. So I'm not saying that we should not as Christians aspire to live righteously and live holy and honor the word of God and live according to the way God has ascribed to us in the word. I'm absolutely 100% a proponent of that. But I think that we as a collective body and as an institution have said, or at least in some circles, that means X, Y, Z, 
one, two, three, A, B, C. And if you don't do these things, that means that you are not a part of the body. And that is false. That's erroneous. And that's been something that believers from the early times, the, the Hebrews even being the chosen people contended with, and we still contend with it today. And there, But there's freedom when we remember the truth of the word and when we can properly align our faith and not look at it as religious practice. It's categorized and described as a religion, but it's not. It is a faith. It is something different than other world religions that have a system of belief that aligns with what you can do to earn something. Ours is not, by definition, a religion in that we must do some things to earn it. Ours is a faith that it has everything to do with what we believe and how we choose to accept something that is not able to be explained or proved. That's what makes the gospel so beautiful. That's what makes our faith so magnificent and so supernatural and something that we cannot quantify or quantify based on what we can understand, what we can see, what we can explain. And that's why it has to come by faith alone in Christ alone. And the freedom that comes when we believe, when we accept that, I think allows us to then live it out in a way that isn't confining because even in Christian circles, even in certain denominations, even within the institution of the church, there's a lot of bondage. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of restraint, not from a, righteousness standpoint of us taking up our cross and following Christ or dying daily to ourselves or, you know, knowing him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. Paul explained many times in the new Testament, how he beat upon his flesh and he crucified it. And he did things to make sure that he was honoring God. Not that this is a list of rights and wrongs that other people have decided make you a believer, make you holy, make you Christian. And when you can move past that and live free from that constraint, I believe that's when we can fully walk in the beauty of our faith and live it out in a way that provides grace and mercy and truth to the unbeliever, that we can live without this air of, of um, exclusivity to where you can't access this, you can't have that, you're not good enough. Mm -hmm. And I think it opens up opportunity for people who are not in the faith to then see how much we are loved by God, how much we have accepted the love by, by believing in what he's done for us. And then we can extend that to them. And it's not about whether or not you live a certain lifestyle, mm -hmm. whether you do or don't do certain things. Right. So even that has placed us in bondage and we are not free, even though we've been made free in Christ. Mm -hmm. Wow, that was some heavy, heavy stuff today. But I hope you are encouraged to live out your faith in a way that sets you free, where you can experience freedom fully and what Christ has already done for you. And this life work assignment is going to be for you to identify the ways that you have not been free in your faith, the ways that you have allowed man-made traditions and rules to interfere with your relationship with the Lord. And if you have not, that is a place of praise and acknowledgement to um, give praise to the Lord for how you have not uh, succumbed to some of those very real um, areas of bondage for many of us. So stay tuned for the next part in our series and we'll see you next time.
it for this episode. If you have been enjoying listening, please consider sharing and subscribing to the podcast. And until next time, remember, you have been set free to live free. So choose freedom. Freedom.